Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? It's going very well, Justin. We're back. It's the, the, the season is here. And uh, just two days away, we're going to have Cavaliers real legitimate basketball for the first time in nine months. We're not counting preseason. Certainly no. not that last preseason game. Oh, God, and, no. Uh, no, great. no, no, no. We, we, we are not doing that. You know what? There's some forgiveness at this time of year. And I need a little forgiveness, too, because we were supposed to have Dave DeFore on from The Athletic. And I got time zones wrong. Uh, apparently, uh, that, that can happen. So I, I'm going to take the full blame of that one. And we will have him next week, hopefully. File under things you just hate to see. But that's OK, Justin. Um, what I do want to make sure that our listeners know is that not only did you get time zones wrong, you, you 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 told Dave 6 p.m. Eastern uh, mm-hmm. instead of 7 p.m. Eastern, and then I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm ready. I'm I'm just eating dinner, but I just finished. I'm ready to go. And the reason we couldn't still go at six was because you were waiting on delivery. You know what? That that's part of it. But let's also acknowledge the fact that Dave had a hard out, and we would have been looking at like a 45 minute podcast. And when Dave, when we have Dave, you know we like to linger. We like to enjoy the full experience. And I wouldn't ever want to rob our listeners of that. I know you're okay putting out a cheapened product, but that's that's not something I'm here for. Uh, but. <laughs> But we got a whole lot to talk about because the Cavs are going to be playing for real very soon. Uh, Obviously, there was no extension for Andre Drummond today. I believe today was the deadline for that. Not a big surprise. We kind of knew that those talks were basically dead. Um, We still don't know necessarily who's going to be available. It seems like Larry Nance is fine, uh, good to go. But Kevin Love, Dante Exum, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. did not take part in practice. I think Delhi was out as well. So 
we, we got a little bit of questions going into uh, Wednesday's match against Charlotte. We, we we're not hundred percent sure who's going to start Wednesday's match. Yeah. I I'm glad you called me out on that. Cause I, I realized it as it left my mouth. This is straight Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's winning the match pop. Straight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's. I think that uh, if you gave anyone uh, in the Cavs organization true serum, they'd probably tell you that after a nine-month pandemic layoff where the team didn't get to meet or play together, this hasn't been exactly the camp that you might want. Mm-hmm. They've got four or five players banged up, uh, a lot of off-the-court stuff happening with KPJ, and there's not a lot of time for them to to kind of find their rhythm when that's probably the number one goal for, for the preseason and from camp is find some sort of rhythm to kind of get yourself back into basketball readiness at an NBA level. And they haven't really gotten a chance to do that. You know, it's, that's just kind of how the, the cookie crumbles sometimes. And I, I do think they, we might be kind of in line for some bumps early on. Yeah. One thing I'm grateful for is when you look at the schedule, at least the start of it is very heavy on teams that also had nine months off and are in a very similar situation. The Cavs, maybe they haven't had the the same kind of injuries and resting that the Cavs have had, but um, I think the general layoff, like even if the Cavs had all four games with their players, it it would have been a, a while before this team is clicking on all cylinders, just because that is such a long layoff to all of a sudden go to NBA basketball. So um, I, I do think that that's going to help them out a little bit, but we talked about it last week where continuity is, is a major concern for this team. And I, I think you saw it in that last game against the Knicks in all likelihood, there is probably no way that a lineup of Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Jetty Osman, and JaVale McGee had ever even practiced together. And if they did, it was probably for like that day. Like there, there's going to be times where guys are just not familiar with one another and there's going to be a lot of turnovers. I mean, it's not something that's unique to the Cavs right now, but I, I think we're, we're in for a few headaches when you're looking at these first few games as the team tries to get its footing. Yeah, I mean, Sexton very clearly didn't have his legs under him at all. Everything's oh, yeah. in front rim. Uh, you know, ideally he'll be someone who, you know, catches his stride quickly, but that hasn't really been his career thus far. And, you know, you almost want to throw out the rookie year because it's like, well, you know, that's every rookie is just abominable to start most seasons, especially ones who had as much, you know, of a load as he had offensively. But he has not traditionally been a strong starter and not getting to, you know, have a proper preseason and a proper camp because he, he got dinged up. That does hurt. There, there's no way around it but ideally they you know i do think and, and we griped about this right we griped that they were kind of playing it as safe as they were in preseason obviously there's nothing you can do about a concussion or whatever but you know uh we we did gripe about some of the play it safe because we do want this team to find some rhythm but it's going to mm-hmm. be tough it's going to be tough off the rip here yeah i agree and I almost wanted to participate this week in one of our favorite pastimes, which is judging the discourse and uh, Mm. telling people what to think. Even though we don't tell people how to fan, we will judge however you choose to fan. And I'm not going to do that. I I had given it some thought. And right when I was about to complain, I thought, you know what? 
we had nine months without this team playing. We all have opinions on what the best direction for this franchise to go is. For the first time in a long time, the Cavs have a lot of young, viable options when you're talking about, okay, who is the perimeter rotation going to be built around? So obviously, everyone's going to have confirmation bias. It's a super rushed. I, I mean, there, there just hasn't been a, the regular training camp length and preseason length, and it's been weird. It's going to take patience, and that's not easy after nine months off. And I, I don't blame anybody for jumping to conclusions, especially if they are conclusions that you've already kind of reached before these games even started. But there's going to be rough stretches for Darius Garland. There's going to be rough stretches for Colin Sexton. And this might take a month or so before things start to actually gel. And um, the, the one benefit they have is other teams are likely going to be in that same situation. But if you're looking for sharp, consistent play out of anybody, I just don't think that's a realistic expectation. Well, certainly not anyone who wasn't in the bubble. I think that the bar for players that, have played basketball in the last five months should probably be different from the ones who haven't, you know, played at an NBA level for nine months. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be rough. And I think that actually kind of takes me where I want to take this, you know, wider season preview that we're trying to do here is I kind of want to start big, start wide before we kind of get into the granular stuff, which is what position in the NBA will the Cavaliers finish? What they will have the blank best record in the league. Uh, 25th who's who's below them uh so i'm pretty confident about the pistons and knicks um if i'm looking for obvious candidates out west i want to say okc and minnesota um i think you can make an argument that minnesota is a more talented team but when you look at the fact that you're likely playing more games against the west the the schedule is not going to be as balanced as it normally is think that's that's going to hurt them and I, I think they're going to be equally bad as the the Cavs defensively and I actually think the Cavs are positioned to not be the worst defensive team in the league so I I'm I'm not sold on who in particular those teams are going to be because I I think even if you look at win projections where they usually have the Cavs second last in the east there's usually about four or five games separating um, basically 11 and 15. And when you're dealing with COVID, when Kevin Love and Andre Drummond might rest back-to-backs, Drummond might be traded, he might not. You don't know what jumps these guys are going to take. It, it's, it's. I think they're going to be closer to the pack uh, than they have been in past seasons. I, I think overall they're, they're going to be more competitive. This is uh, unfortunately uh, where I'm probably going to bum me out because I, I, think, I think 29th, I think, I think it's pretty likely that the Pistons or Knicks will be worse. Okay. Um, but I think they're going to be right there at the bottom. And here's why. I don't think it's actually a huge indictment on this roster. And and it's because I think that if the Cavaliers set out to, you know, top to bottom, all their players, all the organization set up said, we're going to try to be as good as we can be. I think 23rd to 25th feels fair to me. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, we're not going to be seeing Kevin Love on back-to-backs. Andre Drummond is a prime target to be traded for someone who is worse at basketball than him. Mm -hmm. And when you look for reasons why this team should be good, not why they should be promising, because those are two very different conversations. Right. But look for why they should be good. It's really driven, I think, by that front court talent they have. It's actually not driven by the Darius Garlands and the Isaac Okoros of the world. Maybe the Colin Sexton's is year three. It's time for him to, start converting his play into winning basketball. But 
this is still a team that at its core in the backcourt is dependent on a lot, a lot, a lot of youth. Mm-hmm. And in the front court dependent on uh, players who I think very highly of, but whose availability is going to be in question on a night-to-night basis. Yeah, I think those are fair points. The one thing I'll point out is if there is a team that's worse than them in the East, there's likely going to be one in the West. I, I don't think they're going to finish bottom two. Um, I, I I think they got talent, man. Like, I, I I think they're going to be strategic in when they rest them. Like, if it, they are resting a back-to-back, they're likely going to rest Andre Drummond or Kevin Love on either different games or they'll uh, rest them against the the better team. I, I think there's kind of strategic approaches there. And when you're looking at, at least when Kevin Love sits, I think there's a case that Larry Nance has had more of an impact or at least a more consistent impact uh, because there have been kind of, there's been fluctuations. Some inconsistencies. In, yeah, really inconsistency nice in how bought in Kevin Love is. So for that reason, I, I don't think they're going to be that bad. I'm not going to jump down your throat just yet because I like revisiting your takes after a while. So I'm, I'm going to also, let you... I think I've been more than fair with my take. I'd like you, I'd like you to acknowledge this now for the record. No, I, I acknowledged it on the front end. I, I said you raised some good points. And I, I just do think that the, the Cavs have more talent than at least two teams in the East. And uh, I think there's going to be at least two teams in the West that, that are worse than them as well. Um, I, it, I, here's the thing <clears throat> with me, man, is like the, the cellar dwellers just really are trying not to be and made serious. And, and like, you know, like, for example, we've mocked the Hawks offseason. But, but how long is that going to last? How, how long is that going to last with some of these other teams that are outside in the mix? I, yeah, I get I get that. But I look at I look at teams that made floor raising decisions. The Hawks raised their floor. I don't think very much, but enough to not be the 20, you know, in the conversation for the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. The 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 Bulls have, are going through the biggest coaching upgrade in the league just by proxy of firing Boylan. The Wizards, uh, you, we may not love I, I'd Ross say we're pretty close. Team. I'd say we're pretty close on the coaching upgrade, but proceed. Yeah, so... <clears throat> Oh, well, yeah, yeah. But we had, we had the, the guy for a few games at least. So I didn't consider that, um, you know, I, the wizards, they, they traded for uh, Westbrook. He, he helps them. And then a team like the thunder, who is probably the only team in the West that's not trying to win super hard. I think they've got enough bets that they're going to be better than people think. Like they're not depending on a bunch of kids the way the Cavs yeah. are, but so it's, I, I don't know. Okay. I, I understand they have Al Horford who's going to help them out, but that like, that's, that's the vet. Like that's one. We, we got Andre Drummond and Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. Like I, Nick, I think... Justin, they even have a George Hill. <clears throat> George Hill's there. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea. How about that? Good for him. Look at him doing yeah, things. I, I had to double check it on the last pod. Thanks for listening, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't think that team sucks. I think they're not good, but I don't think they suck. I think they've got I, I a little bit. I think the of... West makes not good teams suck. And when you're that's fair, and that's and when a you're comparing ro- when you're comparing roster to roster, I just think there's going to be fewer nights because even though the East is improved, it's improved with new pieces, right? Like Atlanta and Chicago are going to have off nights as they try to find continuity, especially because they also had nine months off. I, I don't think that New Orleans, for example, is going to have the the same type of learning curve as some of the teams in the East. So for that reason, I, I'm just not all the way in on the Cavs being as bad as you think. Um, here, here, here's, can I make one final kind of salvo in my own defense? I'll allow it. One, I think that 
there's a real world possibility that some of these teams I'm a little higher on, uh, I'm just wrong. You know, like maybe the Thunder just absolutely are trash. It's kind of a gut feeling on them. Uh, you know, maybe maybe some of these other bottom East seller dwellers are just absolutely awful. And there's always a team in the West that just gets their teeth kicked in and their season gets messed up. So I think there's a lot of point, points to be made there. I just feel like the Cavs, uh, if they get better, I'm not, to your point uh, on previous pods, I'm not sure we're going to always see it in the wins and losses. I think that point differential is going to get a lot better. Uh, our dear friend Hiram Boyd's in the comments right now on Periscope saying he expects a lot of close losses this year. Yeah. And I think if the Cavs are trending well, that's probably the case. So even if their winning percentage doesn't take a leap, if their point differential goes from minus eight to minus five, you know, that's an enormous jump in quality. It doesn't sound like it to your average fan, but it is. Mm-hmm. But like maybe the win losses won't be represented much better. Yeah. So that, that, wins and lessons, you know, wins and lessons. So that is kind of my wide angle take on why I think this team can both why I don't think I'm being a huge downer where I could go, I think they're going to be 29th, but I can think they're going to get a lot better this year. You know what? That, I, I think your criticisms are fair, or at least you, your kind of predictions are fair. Uh, I'm not looking to replace you yet, but if our listeners are looking to replace somebody at their workspace, Indeed has you covered. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. Plus, there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore total visits, so it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Carter. Justin, well done. I just want to note before I jump into my ad read that Hiram... Uh, said that I do have legit points in the chat. And I think that's the nicest thing he, he's ever said to me. Love yeah, you, Hiram. You did well. Now, Hiram, you might know this, but football is in full swing. The read says it's back in full swing, but we're in like week 14. Don't worry about it. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get it on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get it on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Justin, I don't think division futures are still on the board. It's mm. fine. Uh, head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
We might need to get a new read, Justin. That's getting a little old. We might. Uh, I'm not going to judge too much because I have led, I've left old reads in the podcast before. Um, You know, sometimes editing, especially when you're not full bars, uh, can uh, can impact. That doesn't sound like you, Justin. (laughs) No, it doesn't. You know who is full bars right now, Carter? Jetty Osmond. He was looking pretty, pretty, pretty good in his first two uh, preseason games. And this leads me to a point. I know we discuss it from a team building standpoint, but right now I actually don't have a whole lot of interest in the whole starting debate, especially with the approach that JB Beckerstaff has. If a guy's coming off the bench, especially if you're talking about an Isaac Okoro, Dylan Windler, um, whoever it is, even if it's, let's say, Colin Sexton or Darius Garland, they're likely going to be getting steady minutes no matter what because they are important to the future of this franchise. If they are playing good in a certain game, they're going to get the minutes. They're going to get to close. They're going to get up to that 35-minute mark. And I just don't have the energy right now to, to get worked up over who's starting and finishing. I, I kind of anticipate that Jetty Osmond's going to get the, the start just because as the incumbent, you're probably not going to lose your job just because you missed two games and you were great in those two other ones. But I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing for Isaac Okoro. And when we're looking long-term at this season, in all likelihood, the Cavs are going to experiment with a lot of different starting lineups. Uh, yeah, I, I'll take it a step further, Justin. There is no way in hell that the Cavs should be benching Jetty Osman uh, for anyone. I wouldn't right go now. that far. I think Isaac Okoro. Make, make, make your case, but, but I, I've, I've got a counter for you. Here's, here's the case. We had Larry Nance Jr. on the podcast. We talked about accountability, 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 uh, and building a culture. Mm-hmm. We both want a culture where the best players get to play and the ones who are in their spots get to have it. Not only is Jetty the incumbent, which I don't take a ton of stock in, he's objectively been the best player for the Cavs in preseason mm-hmm. in games he's played. Yeah. I, I think he he's getting to the line. The jumper looks good. He's He's slashing and cutting. Like, I just don't see a world in which he doesn't make sense as the starter. And, like, you know, I think that <laughs> you, you're blowing a tire there. Yeah. I've, it, was I've a great, it was a burp. It was a burp. I've, I've come a, close because I, I downed that delivery right before we record the podcast. So I've been a little gross today. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy that you were the first to blow a tire. But proceed. Happy to help. Uh, you know, I just think ultimately, if you're trying to create a culture where players can be relied on, then what are you telling Isaac Okoro if you tell him, hey, we're going to start you over, Jetty? I love the idea of saying, Rook, go in your spot. And by all accounts, this is the kind of guy who wants to go in his spot. So I think that the Cavs should send a message by and say, the guys who are playing the best are going to be the ones who play for us. Yeah, I, I'm. You, you know I never like to be in the uh, podcasters sitting on the sidelines demanding someone to send a message business. It's not... <laughs> it's not the way I roll, but I, I do actually like th- that's that's the reason why I think Jetty's going to start at least against Charlotte. I don't think it's going to last long. And one thing I kind of have in mind is with Jetty being more assertive, assuming this continues, because I mean, we've seen two game stretches from him being aggressive before. We've seen longer than that. The issue with Jetty Osman has been inconsistency as well as him not being a, a capable defender, um, at, at least when you're talking about defending starting units. Um, the the one appeal with Isaac Okoro outside the obvious of upside fifth overall pick his defense 
there's just so many mouths to feed in that starting lineup, especially if it is Garland and Sexton with Love and Drummond, that having Jetty be more assertive with the second unit, I, I think that helps out keep a more even approach with the team. And I, I think Okoro complements the kind of more assertive guys that are, that are in that starting lineup. He's going to fill in the, the blanks and, and round out that roster because as much as, yes, the best guys are going to play, at the same time, J.B. Bickerstaff has said that the priority is having lineups that work, right? And, and I, I think that's where you start to have conversations about long-term who's going to start. Do you move Garland to the bench? Do you move Sexton to the bench? Uh, can can those two work out? And that that's going to take a, a month or so before we even kind of get any results we can read into. Um, but at, at least when it comes to that starting three spot, I, I, I can see Okoro taking over that role um, quickly, not only because of how how much he's progressed and how good he was in the preseason outside of that last game. Um, I just think it, it makes more sense from a lineup perspective. I get it. And, you know, ultimately, I think he will win the job. I don't really agree with your offensive take. I think that this team needs to be as efficient as they can be offensively. And whether that's Jetty, I don't think Jetty is someone who I actually really want being a huge play initiator. Like even in preseason, a lot of his buckets were coming off of motion, off of off of you know driving kicks and attacking destabilized defenses. I think we're, that's where he's best. Ultimately, I agree that he's he's going to be in the bench role, and ultimately, I agree that if Okoro is as good as we want him to be, he's going to make it kind of easy on us and make it easy on Bickerstaff to say. Listen, this guy, you know, you, th- thank you for your service, Jetty, but this guy is clearly at a level uh, talent-wise that, you know, yeah. we just need to get him in the in the starting lineup, especially from a fit perspective. But And from a I, defensive I, perspective, because I, I think, sure. I, I think like, you know that I'm, I'm a believer that sex line can work. I do also acknowledge that those two together are, are far from ideal. And, and when you're talking about, especially now with, more wings added to this rotation one of them might get moved to the bench like if sexton progresses as a playmaker like let's say he's at five assists a game and okoro and kpj are are providing secondary playmaking maybe it becomes sexton kpj and okoro it maybe sexton struggles with a, a bit of a new role this year he doesn't quite get his footing and it becomes garland kpj and okoro I, I'm not rushing to that, especially when you look at everything that KPJ's got going on. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not. I, I'm barely thinking about KPJ right, right now. Right, right. But it, that, that let's say so let's messy. say it's Dylan Windler or Jetty Osman for from a fit perspective. Like it, it may even just be to send a message to one of Garland and Sexton uh, that for a week or two you're you're going to come off the bench. We want you to play team basketball. Like I, I think that is all on the table this season, but at least to start you're going to be going with Garland and Sexton. And for that reason, you probably want Isaac Okoro because that, that's going to give you more front court defense to, to cover up for them. I mean, Garland's been better. He, he's been fighting through screens. He's looking good on defense. We, we haven't seen enough of Sexton. Have he's looking fine on defense. What's that? He's looking fine. Yeah, well, fine is he's looking alive. Yeah, he's fine looking is alive. Want. I, my point is we haven't seen anything from Sexton yet. So assuming that they haven't both taken a massive leap on that end, you're probably want, going to want Isaac Okoro in there. I, I get it. Listen, I get it. I also think it's really sweet that when you discuss benching a player, you actively avoided suggesting Colin Sexton should be benched so you don't get yelled at by. No, no, I, I included him in there. 
I included yeah, you, him. There. But, you, but when you when push came to shove and you had to pick an example, it was Garland. Oh it's no, okay. I I said both. I just said Garland first. I, I'm getting crafty okay. with this. Okay, I'm, very very crafty stuff. I'm, I'm getting yelled at either way, but I just like know it. I just know that I I know what you're doing and I see your game. Uh, I I I don't know. I get it. I mean, I think ultimately right now, if you look at how if you just if we're being really short sighted, and this is kind of where you go the opposite way, mm-hmm. where maybe it's too aggressive in terms of reading into what we saw in preseason should probably be okoro and jetty starting Um, right but i I don't think you you bench i don't think that's gonna happen see i put more value in the incumbent thing i I think starting small forward has been given to jetty in the past by default whereas colin sexton for the last he's earned it two, three months of last season he he was the best player on the team so uh for that reason or i best offensive player you you know what i mean he was important to going for pal But uh, yeah, I, I just think that you don't move him out, out of the starting line unless he's not healthy. Like if he's not full bars right now and the ankle's been bothering him and he wants to have kind of a uh, ease into the new role and the new lineup and everything like that, maybe he comes off the bench to start. I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think Sexton's fine, uh, at least from a physical standpoint. I, I think what he's dealing with is just hey it's been a really long time he's got new tools in his bag and he wants to to show that off right so it's going to be some time because it it's going to be a different role for him i i know he's still playing as a shooting guard but there are more guys that can do stuff with the basketball on this team andre drummond is now part of this team they're likely going to have him do a little bit of playmaking they're going to have love do it they're going to have nance do it uh, Darius Garland is more assertive now, so that's going to change things. Sexton's not you, going you to be—he's not going to be ball dominant in the same way that he has been in the past. Doesn't and, have the option, right? He doesn't have the option. So the question is going to be: Does he dedicate that new energy and those extra possessions to creating opportunities for other guys, uh, contributing on the defensive end, or does he force things? That—that that to me is one of the immediate questions that we're, we're going to have to figure out with Sexton and it may take a week or two. Like I'm fine with him pressing at the beginning because he and Garland need to make mistakes to get better. I'm fine with them making mistakes, but if it's the all-star break or whatever we want to call it, the COVID break, and that is still the case, then you got to look at other options for either of them. Yeah, for sure. I do want to kind of pivot off the, the who starts discussion to have a frank discussion that a lot of people don't want to hear, Justin. Oh God. You know who's who really has actually been the Cavs' best player in preseason? Whomst? Andre Drummond. Yeah! <laughs> he looks good, man. People want to dog him. They want to complain every time he, he takes the ball up court or complain every time he shoots a three. Listen, I get it. But you know what else he does? He puts dudes under the fucking rim and he yams <laughs> it. This dude is a great athlete. He's by far the biggest freak on the team athletically. Uh, and you know what? I think that he is incentivized to put in a good effort. And I I tweeted about this earlier, and this is kind of why I wanted to take the conversation here. The whole league has overcorrected on Andre Drummond. Mm -hmm. There's this idea that he is just a straight up loser. And like, maybe, yeah, as, as a first option where no one can challenge him, he can, you know, sleepwalk through games because there's no one really there to say, Hey, get your ass in gear or at least it has the pull to actually do anything about it. Uh, sure. Maybe, maybe he is, but is this really a guy that is, you know, we, we see flyers taken on much worse players 
mm-hmm. than this. And I feel like this is a guy who could swing a championship, like on, on the right contender. I look at the Clippers and with someone like Drummond, who is again, not perfect. There are guys who at the top level, it can still cook him. Uh, and there are times where he's going to float, but like, I just feel like we're going to kind of remember, we only had, we only had seven games with him last year. Mm-hmm. And I think people, because of the fact that Tristan was there to kind of take, take minutes from him and Tristan was playing great, by the way, sometimes yeah. it wasn't even Drummond was playing bad. It was just Tristan was killing it. And that's why he was getting minutes over him. I think we're all going to kind of remember that. Oh, this guy's hey, kind of nice the best to have. player on the team. Like yeah. we, we said that when they got him, he is the best player on the team. He's still young. Um, like I, I think the one unfortunate part about this and, and uh, when Chris Fedor was on the, the podcast with us, he mentioned this, if there is an extension, Drummond's going to have to be gone because he's not going to stay in Cleveland if he hits free agency. So now that an extension's off the board, the likely thing is he's going to get moved at the deadline, but yeah, like it's in, on the one hand, like I would rather pay Andre Drummond what, Jonathan Isaac just got paid then pay Gordon Hayward over the next four years, 30 million a year. Uh, I'd probably rather do it than Jonathan Isaac. Cause th- I think there's lower upside. Like he's a very durable big. And I, I think he is going to make this team better. And I, I think, especially with it being a contract year, you're going to see better play out of him. And when you, you look at the free agency class, that is now a whole lot worse. There's still a lot of teams that have cap space, but maybe a team's going to want to acquire him first because it's going to give them a leg up in re-signing him. Or even if it's just as a rental, I think there's going to be value there. But while he's here, there is a value in what he brings to the team. And I'm kind of excited to see it. Like, it's it's fun. Like, it's a higher upside than you're going to get with your normal replacement level big. Maybe your normal replacement level big isn't going to take a few ill-advised threes or or try to handle the ball. But at the same time, they're not going to bail you out of bad possessions uh, the same way Andre Drummond can. And no. I, I think it's going to be more of an asset than a liability. I, I completely agree. I think that Drummond has this well-earned reputation of kind of wasting his talent. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of gotten to the point where We've just, again, we've overcorrected. There is a degree of every time he makes a decision decision that is not optimal, I see the entirety of Cavs Twitter throw their arms up. But you were willing to let everyone else on the team dick around and make mistakes every now and again. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I I don't understand why we're, we're so splintered as a fan base because, like, there are people that are invested in either Garland or Sexton or Love or Nance or Drummond, and they just root like they will jump on any mistake any of the guys make that helps build up their other player. Because, and maybe this is a, a product of uh, today's NBA media where we don't build guys up, we tear a down, another guy down to build them up by comparison. But there's a lot of people, and and maybe it's frustration over a couple losing seasons, but any mistake will get someone jumping down your throat. Sure, somebody. But in in the aggregate, I just think we are, I think Cavs Twitter is far less willing to overlook any shenanigans from Drummond. It's like, he's the only one that's not allowed to like freelance a little bit. Because most of his mistakes are kind of, I don't actually think they're of him being like absent-minded or it's kind of just him doing too much, you know, Mm -hmm. like, which I get, you know, that's annoying. I don't love it, but he's also, he's also really, really talented. And most best players on teams get to freelance a little bit. Like this isn't that unusual. And I, it's going to Greg Jennings every now and then. 
yeah, I don't know, man. I just hope people kind of appreciate what he brings to the table over the course of the season. Cause I think he is actually more fun to watch than anyone wants to acknowledge. I think he, as you mentioned, cleans up a lot of uh, messy offensive possessions with what a freak he is as a rebounder. And then yeah. even defensively, he's the best shot blocker the team's had in three, four years. Mm-hmm. Well, and, it's probably JaVale McGee now, but well, I guess yeah. it's JaVale now, but you get my point is like, he blows up plays, especially ones where, you know, he actually fits for the kind of coverage, defensive coverage in the pick and roll. This team should be playing, which is drop coverage, uh, very conservative. And I don't know. I just like, I, I don't mind watching him play. And I think that the hate's gone too far. And I hope that it kind of, I hope he kind of quells it with his play this year. Yeah. Well, he hasn't really had an opportunity to build any goodwill. So I, I think Absolutely. that factors into it and it's unfortunate it's probably well I, i'm so glad i caught myself i almost said it's the most unfortunate part of covid <laughs> <laughs> you know this, this you know of all the things i think this is probably the most frustrating yeah th- this is probably the the saddest but uh the, the fact they didn't get it like another 20 games with drummond i i think there were actually would have been a chance that maybe they'd find a mutually beneficial extension uh, at this time of year if there was more of time with him like um, let's say JB Bickerstaff's able to get through to him and, and things just kind of click a little bit more. Maybe you'd be able to make him part of your future plans. Cause I, I mean, that's kind of what I had in mind when I, I advocated for trading him. Like it wasn't, Oh, you, you definitely have to extend him, But I, I thought that there was at least a possibility because especially in Cleveland, like you, you don't get Andre Drummond level guys uh, from a town perspective every day. Right. So you want to make the most of that opportunity. So you know, it's disappointing, but you, you can only deal with what's ahead of you. And right now, he he helps them out. I, I think he makes them a, a more watchable product. And who knows what, what the future holds for both him and the team. Yeah, for sure. Can I take us into a more positive place since I kind of went? Ne- oh, it was positive, but negatively framed. Yeah, yeah. What's been the most uh, exciting thing you've seen from Okoro so far? Uh, and maybe not the most exciting thing, because we all kind of know what that is maybe, but what's something that you've noticed that kind of has you tickled watching him play? So what has made me change my outlook on him already in terms of like figuring out the ceiling is just how far ahead his understanding of team basketball is. Like on both ends of the floor, he doesn't really force it. He He's a, a gifted passer. He seems to know where he's supposed to be on defense. Like I anticipated him being a good individual defender, but his understanding of team concept when he hasn't been there very long is really good. And that's the kind of stuff that makes me say, oh, holy crap. Like he's not just going to be a great defender. Like he, he can be an all NBA or uh, all defensive team kind of defender. And I mean, if his jump shot is already at that 35, 36, 37%, it just opens up the rest of his game. And he has the, he's the first guy we've drafted that has the chance to be the best player in his draft class. Like, um, since basically Kyrie. Not ever. We had LeBron. (laughs) I know I'm being an asshole. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the jumper is looks much better and is much more confident coming out of his hands than I thought it had any chance of being. Mm-hmm. One thing that I, I have a couple things I want to comment on with him that have me encouraged. One is I had some concerns because I read that he was not really an above the rim finisher. And mm. that is the case. I actually think that was a good scout. Um, I don't see him really flying up and yamming uh, or even like being the kind of wing that 
you know, there are wings just with huge ups that just like launch towards the hoop, right? Yeah. And, and finish in all sorts of ways, whether it's dunks or just athletic layups. I don't think that's his game. And I had these early concerns of like, uh oh, I remember the last time the Cavs had a below the rim finishing wing uh, that uh, I was supposed to count on to make layups when it mattered. And his name was Jake Crowder. And they never went in. <laughs> you know, uh, and what I've been really encouraged with with Okoro is that he's actually got great touch yeah. on his finishes. He's oh, not Kyrie. so good. He's not Kyrie, obviously. He's not going to be putting crazy English. But, you know, I think about the play where he picked uh, – he he got a turnover against the Knicks and went straight into Kevin Knox's chest and had to finish with his right hand in transition at a, at a tough angle, made it, got the N1, and it looked really, really good. And it's like, okay, well, if he's going to be a below-the-rim finisher, he has to be this. He has to have good touch. He's got to be a good finisher because, again, like – it's the NBA. It's hard to be a below the rim finisher in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's not stunning stuff here. I, I think on one play, uh, Mitch Robinson just absolutely packed one of his layups. So that was encouraging. Other thing I've really liked, hell of a transition defender. Oh, man. Yeah, it's yeah. good. He, 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 gets, he goes straight up and he takes hits really, really well. And he's forced some misses in transition that the Cavs just straight up have not forced over the last two seasons. Yeah. And I think that those kind of plays, you know, th- that's two free points. You know, the Cavs minus eight points per game last year, I think was their differential. You know, if you, if you give, a, if you get them back two points a game, that's a very different team, you know, and, and over the long run of the season. And ideally that is an area where he's really, really going to help. He's got active hands. He's got He's he's really smart in where he positions himself on the floor, and yeah, he's stonewalled a couple a couple transition attempts. That man, it was almost like foreign to see. Yeah, no, it, it's not almost foreign to see. Like we probably didn't have a transition stop in two years. Like at least someone that actually did it. Like there might have been a miss, but it wasn't yeah, a not stop. stops. Yeah, maybe Jetty. Yeah, Jetty had a couple chase down blocks. So let's give him credit for that. But you know what I mean? It, it's been a long time since somebody's kind of had that kind of impact on the defensive end. And it's exciting, right? Like, we just added another very high upside wing. And the Cavs are going to be patient with KPJ. They're making sure that they're doing everything the right way. And they're, they're valuing his own, like, mental well-being and his that structure and all the things that aren't playing on the basketball court they're valuing that first and you know what that that's something that i really respect i mean we we've obviously we're, we're rooting for him there but um if everything get, comes together and eventually he rejoins the team and he starts building upon what he did last year that's two wings that's two six six guys that are really high upside that impact the game on both ends and that's exciting for the Cavs' future. Dylan Windler looks like a player. Like, he, he looks athletic. He doesn't look out of place out there. Um, the, I think the jumper's going to come. Like, that's another one of those situations where, hey, you're doing everything but the one thing we know you can do. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, Jetty's improved. That's a possibility we did not discuss over nine months. We had nine months to talk about Zero this damn team, Carter. And we Zero never... Jetty. We never even entertained that possibility. It looks like he might be improved. Larry looks improved. I'm just excited to get going here because this is uh, this is really, really exciting stuff. There's a lot of things to to be interested in. 
I'm going to try my absolute best to be patient with people because I understand that after this kind of layoff, people are not going to be patient and they're going to be freaking out and they want to see it before they believe it when it comes to the Cavs. I can understand that and respect it. But for me, I'm just excited to have this back. And I, I think this is going to be a really interesting season. I mean, frankly, I'm still there too. You know, I'm still in the see it before I believe it. I, I don't think this team is yet equipped to be a winning team. No, but I do want to see that big, those big leaps. You know, I do want to, I, I, I want to see these young guys start going off. You know, I need more games like KPJ versus Miami mm-hmm. or Colin versus Boston yeah. where we got to really, really celebrate the growth of this young core. It's when we start getting those regularly instead of, you know, once every month, mm-hmm. that's when we start to kind of know like, okay, we're, we're building towards something. We actually have something to really, really look forward to. There's going to be less projection. God, remember, we used to just talk about basketball. Yeah. You know, we used to just talk about what, what players were and how it related to winning. Like, that's not been something we've gotten to do the last couple of years because it's all been projection. It's all, what can we pull that is that might be exciting? Like, I'm ready to start getting exciting stuff regularly from this team. And yeah. I think that is what this year can be, even if it still leads to a 28th overall record in the league. Yeah, my, my big thing has just been that I've been happy with the process. Like, I, I think the Cavs have had a sound process. I think they put the right people in place. I, I'm, and I think I'm, they mostly picked the right guys, you know, where I would have picked them. But there is a degree of, like, even good process fails sometimes. Oh, 100%. And, yeah, and I'm no. hoping to see some big, big, big hits. Yeah. Me, me too. So hopefully that comes. Hopefully that comes sooner rather than later. Um, I'm good with inconsistency, uh, but you still need to have those high watermarks, I, yeah. right? I need the flashes, and I need them to start ramping up in their volume over time. Like, I think both those games I mentioned, maybe maybe not the Miami game. Uh, I, I don't remember, but there have been a lot of good flashes and losses. I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. I'm okay yeah. with a, a flash and loss, but 30-point over by halftime beatdowns, we gotta we gotta see less of those from this team, and that's really what I need to see. It's it feels like a small goal to set, but it's it's a meaningful one in the path towards being a a, a team that's gonna be fun to watch. One hundred percent. We we need we need the volume of those flashes to increase. You know what is gonna be increasing soon, Carter? What the volume of these podcasts? We are back. It's gonna be two times a week, not this week. We are gonna give you guys the the holidays off. You enjoy it. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, celebrate it safely and well. Uh, I want to thank everybody again for supporting the podcast. It really does mean a lot to us. Uh, if you want to do so, if you haven't already, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can leave a screenshot of that review at chasedownpod at gmail.com, and we'll send you a link to that. Uh, we really do appreciate the support, so big thanks to all our fans. Thanks to Carter. Stay safe out there, and until next time, go Cats.